Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. Areas and now, where we here's today's message. And God's truth is it shines a light on those areas. It's kind of hard to swallow, and so I kind of want to make it easier for you. I'm going to add as much humor to this series as possible. In fact, we even thought we'd start off the whole message with something funny. We, uh, we asked you guys for some of your funny wedding pictures. There's a hashtag that you can use on Facebook to find them all. It's hashtag SC funny wedding pics, all right? And so uh, this is our, our, a few of them. And know that there was tons of them out there uh, that even came in late last night that I did not uh, pull from. So you want to make sure you look at them. But show us our first one here. I thought I'd go first. This is my wedding picture. And uh, you see, this was a, a really fun day. Our kids were really young and just not having it. They cried the entire day. It was such wonderful marital bliss. But anyway, all right, next picture. Now, this is Aaron and Eric, and uh, the story here is not that Eric is letting her know how it's going to be from this day forward, all right? It's that she had a black spider on her back, and, uh, and Eric was trying to help her swat it, but I thought that was a really funny picture. All right, next one. <clears throat> okay, this is Kaylin and Aaron. Now, I, I, I'm not really sure what's happening here, except maybe he didn't realize what he got himself into. Like, what in the world did I just do? But I love this picture. It's great. Go ahead, next. All right, so this is, uh, this is actually one of my favorites because I'm in it. I'm the little kid on the lower right. That's my mom and dad. They've been married 36 years, and I just think the picture is really funny because, uh, 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 you know, of the outfits and the hair and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we decided to use that. I don't know what happened to me. I was such a cute little kid. Anyway, next one. Okay, so I was actually at this wedding, and uh, I, I married him not to that guy, but to his beautiful bride, Kara, and so this is what happened later on. It was just really funny. Next one. And this is Craig and Lori. Now, Craig and Lori, uh, I, I think this is what you call a carb coma. There was just too much cake going on here, and they decided it was nap time for the pictures, so go, all right, next. And this one. This is the perfect wedding picture. You say, they're lined up like a football team. That's right. And notice who's in the quarterback position. That's the one calling all the shots, and it's the ladies, because that's the way it goes, fellas. So I love that. And this next one is just because I can, and I got you all. I get to punch you. All right, there you go. All right, take it down. If you don't know what that is, it's just a fun game. If you look, I get to hit you. Bang, that's it. So I get you all. Nice. All right, so make sure you take a look at all those pictures. They're out there. You can use that hashtag. Uh, hashtag SC funny wedding pics on Facebook. There's plenty of them for you to laugh at and enjoy uh, that we didn't even get to use here today. So please make sure you do that. Uh, and this series I wanted you to know that we're jumping into is actually a series based on a book called From This Day Forward. It's by Pastor Craig and Amy Grishel. Uh, I read this last year and I thought, man, this was so good. This was so powerful and simple. We really like simple things around here that I said, we're going to do our marriage series next year based on this book. And, uh, and so I, I think this would be a great gift for you. And, and I would love to invest in your marriage, um, but I've only got two books. So who wants a book? All right, well, since there's that many, go ahead and give them to them all. We've got books for everybody here today. We want to invest in your relationship, whether you're single and or married, we've got books for everybody. So just lift up your hands and we'll get you guys a copy of a book, all right? 
Yeah, 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 and just enjoy. Get your hands up in the air and make sure they don't miss you. Yeah, it's kind of like Oprah, and you get a book, and you get a book, and you get a book. You all get books, so. Yeah, no, no couch, no couch. So listen, again, whether you're single or married or dating, engaged, we, we wanna invest in your relationship, so please take it. It's one of the single greatest books I've ever read, and, uh, and we just want you to enjoy that. But this whole series is based off of that. So let's jump into it. Let's start off right here in Lamentations. This is uh, Jeremiah writing a, a lament. In other words, he's crying a little bit, all right? In, in chapter three, he says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. In other words, he's saying, I look back at my life and I remember all the mistakes I've made. I, I remember all the places that I've gone wrong. And he says, I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Now, I think a lot of us understand Jeremiah's lament. We've all experienced some bad things. We've all made bad choices, done some things that we wouldn't, wouldn't say were the best things for us. But, but what we need to do, regardless of those things, is adopt this from this day forward kind of mentality. And that's why the title of this series follows that, because it actually comes from your wedding vows. Your wedding vows say, I, I take you, my spouse, to have and to hold in sickness and in health for better or for worse, from this day forward. Because you're telling them, hey, I'm gonna be married to you. It doesn't matter that I've dated other people or I've made mistakes in my past, that from this day forward, you're the one that I choose, right? And so it's important that we, that we have that kind of approach. In fact, the writer's even saying that. I need to get this from this day forward kind of approach because I've made mistakes. I'm lamenting those things, but going forward, and he, and he says that because he goes on to say, yet this I call to mind. So in spite of all those things that I'm lamenting, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He's looking forward now. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Now, another translation says that his mercies never fail, right? God, thank God for that. See, God is a kind of, a kind of God that will give you a redo, a start over. He doesn't care what's happened in your past. He's not concerned about that. He's a from this day forward kind of God. He'll give you a blank page the moment you turn to him and say, God, I need a new start. He, he, just, he doesn't care. He just wants to move forward with you. And so I want to set the tone for this whole series because I realize that a, a relationship series like this can kind of be discouraging, especially if you've been struggling in your marriage for some time or maybe it's a recent thing. You're like, man, none of this works. I've, I've been here before and I'm just discouraged and I have no hope for this. But if you choose to have a from this day forward approach, understanding that God will give you the redo and the blank page to start over again, then I believe that things can begin to change for you no matter what the past has been because the writer goes on and says, God's mercies are new every day. And thank God for that, amen? I love, great is his faithfulness and I love that. And so the, the question that we're going to answer here in this series is, are great marriages even possible? Are they even possible? Yes. And most of you would probably answer yes, but only in the movies and in fairy tales. You're going to tell me, Pastor Aaron, not even your marriage is perfect because we've all got flaws. We've all got issues in our own marriage. And I would say that you're right that we all have issues, but I would disagree with you if you think that... Great marriages only happen in the movies. Because I think that God has a plan for your life for you to have a great marriage. I think it's very possible for you to have a great marriage, but I don't think it's very probable that you'll have a great marriage. Welcome to Simple Church, where we live to just encourage you and lift you up every day. Seriously, though, the statistics don't lie. 
that marriages today have a 50% chance of ending in divorce. You say, well, we're the church, we're Christians. Let me tell you the number of the percentage of marriages in the church that end in divorce. It's 50%. It's no different, and why? Well, because we don't live our lives any differently than the, than the world does. We do things exactly like they do, and so great marriages are possible, but they're not very probable. The odds are stacked against us. Now, it's funny to me because there's no area of our lives where we would accept these percentages. No area of our life where we're like, man, I got a 50-50 shot of this working out. Like, you know, like consider this, if you got on a plane and the captain comes over the loudspeaker. This is your captain speaking. Uh, Looks like the uh, skies are gonna be a little bumpy today and uh, we got about a 50% chance of this plane going down. Enjoy the ride. Like nobody's staying on that plane. Everybody's getting off because who's going to take a 50% chance that this thing is going down? I wouldn't stay on the plane. But why do we do that in our relationships? Why is it okay that we have a 50-50 shot of this thing working out and yet we just kind of do, do it just like everybody else does? We don't try to change our odds. We don't do anything different than anybody else. But I think God has a way that changes everything for us. And in this book, you'll find what Pastor Craig says, there's a way to increase your odds. And it's to do five simple things that you commit to do from this day forward. And they are these things. The first thing is to seek God. Now that's today's topic. And it's the number one essential to our relationship. So I'll go into more of that in a moment. But I'm gonna give you the rest of the series right now so you know exactly where we're going, all right? The second thing is fight fair. Now listen, I'm not trying to keep you from fighting in your, in your marriage relationship, okay? I'm not, I, I realize that it's not, it's not if you're gonna fight, it's when you're gonna fight, because it's just gonna happen. But conflict doesn't have to be all destructive. There's a way that conflict can actually be constructive in your marriage, and the Bible has a lot to say about that. So next week, we're gonna talk about how to fight fair, all right? And then the third thing that you need to commit to from this day forward is to have fun. Now, this is the disclaimer, all right? This is going to be, that week is going to be a little PG-13. Some of the guys just sat up like, what are you talking about? We're going to talk about romance, guys. So you want to be here on the 18th. Mark it on your calendars. That's a day that you don't miss, all right? So having said that, if you've got kids, we want you to take advantage of our kids ministry that we have on that day. And we'll remind you that day as well, but, but don't miss that one, okay? The fourth thing is... Stay pure, to stay pure. Look, there's no way your relationship is gonna work if you continue to live your life like the world does, all right? You continue to let things into your life just the way your neighbor does. You have a 50-50 shot of your marriage crashing and burning. That is just the truth. You're going down like the rest of them if you don't commit to stay pure. And the fifth thing is never, ever give up. We're gonna talk about what endurance looks like this whole concept of till death do us part, that's what you commit to when you get married. Some people say, well, Aaron, since I can't get a divorce, that means I can kill him, right? That's what ends the whole thing? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, but there's a whole different set of consequences there if you do that. So. But that's the whole series, and that's God's standard to change your odds from 50-50. Now, there's a verse that I'm going to give you real quick to help you understand as we dive into this concept today of seeking God first. 
Seeking God first. And, and if you were here the last couple of weeks, we just finished a series called First Things First. So you're here, you've been here, you get this concept. I'll blow through it really quick, but I want to help you understand how it applies to your relationships today, all right? And understand this, I'm not leaving any singles out in this situation. There's plenty of content in each one of these messages for single people, for dating, for engaged, whatever station you are in your relationships, there's plenty for you to learn in here. So stay with us this whole way. But here's the verse, that, and this is Jesus talking. It's Matthew 6. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, go after all things God. Go after everything that God has for you. Pursue that First, make it a priority, and when you do, God says, I'm gonna get involved, that my power will be accessible to you if you'll do it my way and if you'll seek me first. You need to pursue me. But for whatever reason, some Christians don't actively involve God in their life. And the reason is they just simply haven't made God a priority. They haven't made room in their life for him or making him number one. But Jesus is like, look, focus on me, make me first, and I'll take care of the rest of your stuff. But if you focus on the rest of your stuff, then you are opting out of my power being involved in your life. I think Christians miss this all the time. They call me like, Pastor Aaron, my relationship's in trouble again. And I'm like, yeah, but you ain't been doing it God's way. I need you to do it God's way. And then his power gets involved. I mean, I'll pray for you, but seriously, this is how it works. You gotta do it his way. You, you just gotta do it his way. And so how it relates to relationships, I hear this often, is that singles mistakenly say this. They talk to me about their relationships, and they say, you know, Aaron, I'm just looking for my one. Like, I, where I grew up and went to church, they had a Bible college connected to it, and there was a ring by spring guarantee that they all understood, right? Like, they were like, man, I'm going to Bible school, and I'm going to honor Jesus, but the real reason I'm here is to get hitched and find my one. Mm, we all have that one, that elusive one. We're praying for the person that would give us that Jerry Maguire moment that they would complete us. But this is a flawed concept because there's no person that can complete you. Many of us got married today idolizing our spouse, expecting them to complete us. And that's just not possible. In fact, I'm gonna tell you this, anything you idolize other than God, you will eventually demonize. That was so good, I'm gonna say it again. Anything that you idolize except for God, you will eventually demonize. The reason for that is, is because people are not fit to be your idol because people will mess up and they will fail you. And when they do fail you, you demonize them. Let me give you the perfect example, see? And you need to know that only God is worthy of that place in your life. But a perfect example, all of us have things about our spouse that we just loved before we got married. We idolize and say, oh man, I just love it. And the thing that you idolize is the thing you begin to hate most about them. Like, oh, He's got it so together. He's so organized. I just love that about him. You get married and some years later, he's a control freak and I can't stand it, right? <laughs> or you talk about her and you're like, man, I love, she's so bold. I mean, she lets me know exactly what's on her mind. I know where I stand with her at all times. And later on, it's like, she just talk, talk, talk. I can't get her to shut up. She just keep on talking, right? It's the thing that we idolize the most that we eventually begin to demonize. And so why do we do that? Because we can't, let, we can't let people hold that position in our life that God's supposed to hold. And that's what happens. God in, intended to be the one that you idolized. And one of the many reasons that we have failed relationships is because we're expecting something from people that only God can give. 
You're, you're expecting them to do it, and they can't live up to the pressure. They, they, they're going to fail you. It's too hard. And the reason you're expecting it from them is because you don't have it in your relationship with God. And when you do have it in your relationship with God, you don't need it from anybody else. That's the way that that works. So here's the principle of today's message that I want you to get as we seek God, is that God is my one and my spouse is my two. Now let me help you. Let's start off with the single people on how you apply this to your life. If you're here, let's just take a quick poll. If you're here and you're single and ready to mingle or just single at all, just go ahead and shoot up your hand just like this. All right, hold them up. Keep them up. Everybody look around. Go ahead, look around. Those are your candidates, all right? Check it out. All right, now if I just helped you and you all find a relationship and a love connection, all I'm asking is that you go ahead and name your firstborn after me. Middle name only. That would be just fine. But uh, you're welcome for that kind of help, all right? But... (laughs) But I would say many of you are here today, you're seeking that one. You're seeking that elusive one, that person to be married to. But I'm going to ask you, if you're not married, to make a very different commitment, and it's this. is that I will seek the one while preparing for my two. If you're single, you'll say, I'll seek the one while preparing for my two. In other words, don't focus on finding the person that you're supposed to be with. Instead, take your focus and shift it to God. See how close you can get to him. And I promise you, if you do, you'll discover two things. First is that you'll become very attractive to that person that you're supposed to be with. Because here's the deal. You're you're allowing God to complete you and to prepare you and to get you ready for them instead of spending all your time in the dating pool looking for that person. And you become very attractive. The second thing is, is that if you'll just begin to pursue God, God will give you the the person that you're looking for anyway. He gets involved. His power goes into motion. For me, I've seen this play out in my life. It's absolutely 100% true. Many of you know that I I had a marriage that I was married for 11 months and it it ended. It was done. We were very young and all the details of that are a whole other story. But as a result of that marriage, I had my two beautiful baby boys and I was a single dad. And I tried to get into the dating scene. It was so frustrating and so difficult for me that I just looked at God and I said, God, listen, I'm just gonna go to church. I'm gonna serve and I'm just gonna pursue you. This is just too much. It's too exhausting. It's too heartbreaking. It's too heavy for me to decide. Lord, I'm just gonna leave this to you. And little did I know that my number two, my my beautiful boo, Shanda, she was in Kentucky. I didn't even know her at the time. She was doing the exact same thing said, Lord, I'm just going to throw myself into everything you've got for me. I'm going to trust you. She even wrote out a description of the man she was looking for. She folded it up and dropped it in a prayer box at a prayer meeting and said, God, this is what I'm looking for. I'm just going to trust you for that. In the meantime, I'm just going to pursue you. Come on, somebody. That's some, that's some good stuff right there. And so I, I, I began to serve in this, in this children's ministry at this church, and they all thought I was married because here I was, a dad pushing twins in a stroller. They just didn't think I could do that on my own, right? I don't know what it is, that, but, but they, they didn't think I, could, I, was, I was single. They just assumed I was married, and when they found out I wasn't, they said, listen, the, the children's pastor said, man, he said, I got this girl you need to meet. She's really, really sweet, and then he began to describe some of her physical features, and I said, say no more. I'm in. I got you. That's good. I'm in. Let me have, let me have the information, and so... He gave me the email, and we began to email each other. She lived in Kentucky and me in Ohio, and, and, uh, and then she asked for a phone call. I said, how about we instant message instead, like AOL Instant Messenger back in the day, right, before you could text everybody for free like you can today? Young people, see, there's this thing. 
Text messaging used to cost you 35 to 50 cents a text message, okay? Y'all don't know anything about that, but that, that's what it used to cost in order to do that. But she, she wanted me to pick up the phone and call her, and I just wasn't there in our relationship yet. But, but, but we got there, and we kept talking, and here's what happened on one of our dating times. I, I went to Kentucky, and she lived in Jackson, Kentucky. And there's nothing to do in Jackson, Kentucky. Like, they got a McDonald's and a Wendy's, and that's it. Nothing. And so what you do is everybody gathers in each other's houses. They all get together and play games and hang out. And, and so we go there, and I'm like a puppy in a window at a pet store. They're all looking at me like family members, you know, came in to meet the boy that she's dating from Ohio. And they're all just looking at me, staring at me, like big semicircle. It's true. True story. I can't make this up. And I'm sitting on the floor, and we're going to play a game, this game called Mad Gabs. You guys ever heard of this game? It's like they've got these, I've got one of the cards here. It says, it says like, uh, it says, aim other ranch howled. Aim other ranch howled, and that's supposed to be a mother and child, right? So it's got these weird words, but when you, when you read them, they don't make sense. But you say them out loud, your team members are supposed to guess what it's supposed to be. And so I'm sitting there, and the, Shanda's trying to explain to me how to play the game. And she pulls out this card, this card right here. And it, and it says on it, will yum air reem he. Will yum air reem he. We had just been dating for a little bit. That means will you marry me? And I'm listening, I'm looking at it and she says, now read it. And so I read it and, and I go, uh-huh, I got it. Because I'm not saying it out loud. <laughs> and she goes, no, read it. I said, I did, I got it. I understand the game now, let's just play. She said, no, read it out loud. And all the people are staring at me. Is, is he a little slow? Does he not understand how this game works? So I said, wheel, yum, air, reem, he. And she said, yes. I mean, oh, no. I mean, yes. I mean, that's how you play the game. And then we all had a great laugh, and it was very awkward, like, for a few minutes, you know? Like, I just proposed in front of all these people, and I didn't intend to, you know? And so we, we had a, a good goof, and three months later, I decided I was... I was all done driving back and forth to Kentucky, and I, wanted to, I couldn't live without her. And so I, I popped, a, popped the question, and I got down on one knee, and I went and bought this Mad Gab kit. This is the card that I used. And I said, William Marim He, or whatever that is. And, uh, and I proposed to her this way. And so I really did it for real. And, um, and I love her. She's, she's, and then five months later, we got married. <laughs> and she's my best friend, and she means everything to me. But I need to tell you, single people that I don't know that I would have met Shanda had I not spent my time focusing on the one, on my relationship with God instead of looking for that person who could complete me. And so I, I need you to know that if you'll just focus on God, he'll prepare you for the person that you're supposed to be with. He'll get involved and he'll get you ready and he'll bring you that person that you're supposed to be with, all right? I believe that. Married people, here's how you apply it. You'll take this phrase and say, I will seek the one with my two. I'll seek the one with my two, all right? Now, I would say this, that most Christian couples don't seek God together. And I'll show you how, because I think occasionally you'll go to church together, that's fine, or you might go to a group together, but you don't seek God together. And because you don't seek God together, you're gonna abide and hang out in that 50-50 chance of your marriage actually working because you're missing the principle of seeking God with your two. Now, see, that's not to say that you're not seeking God individually. It's just that you leave your two out of that equation. Your two has become your kids or your job and career or your hobbies or your friends. Hear me that your two should be that priority relationship with your spouse after your relationship with God. It shouldn't be anything else. You need to give time to that. And so today, 
what I want to do is give you some help on how to seek God together. And single people, how you can seek God and prepare for your two, all right? Because there's three principles found in God's word that the Harvard Business School actually confirmed and said, these things work. That if you'll do these three things, you will up your odds of your marriage being successful. Now, don't you love when science and data actually prove what God's word already is saying and has been saying for thousands of years? I love that. And so here's what it said. The Harvard study revealed that one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they did just three simple things on a regular basis. Now let that sink in for just a second. One out of 1,246. Man, how many of you would like those odds instead of the 50-50 odds? If you're on the plane and the captain says, hey, this plane has a 50% chance of going down, but there's a plane next door that there's a one out of a 1,246 chance that it's going down, which plane are you gonna be on? I'm getting on the one with the better odds. I'm getting on that one because I'd like to make it to my destination. So why is it in our relationships that we choose to just stay where we are and do the same things? Why won't we commit to doing these three simple things if they mean that we'll have better chances and better odds of our marriage being great? So let me encourage you today. These three things are things that may be uncomfortable for you. They may stretch you just a little bit, but there's, there is a way outside of your comfort zone and you can do it, all right? So the first one, here it is, is to pray together. It's just simply to pray together because a couple that prays together stays together. That, that, I believe that. Now the prayer is a Christian discipline that we all know to do, but we all have difficulty doing it publicly or with someone else, right? And I think it's because the world or society has taught us it's okay to have your faith, but as long as you keep it private, like keep it to yourself, like you don't need to put it on display or show it to anybody else. But I would tell you that that's a false, uh, that, that's a misinformation, it's not true. In fact, your faith is better when expressed and, is, used and is, is displayed publicly with other people. That's the way it works best because it was intended to be public, not just between you and God, but between each other. Let me show it to you biblically. In James 5, 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins. Now, understand that your sins aren't just the, er the errors in your life. It's every area of your life that you've got a problem. So it says, let's read it that way. Confess every area of your life where you've got a problem, not just to God, but to each other. It's to each other. And then it says, and pray for each other. Now, something you've got to get on board with. When the Bible starts repeating itself, it's important. He mentions each other twice in one verse. You need to pay attention to that because he's not calling for you to talk to him. He's like, hey, guys, it's about talking to each other. It's important that you deal with your faith right here with each other, that you live it out that way because God is an each other kind of God. Your faith has to take on an each other kind of expression for it to even work. The verse continues and ends up, says you, you do this and you pray for each other so that you can be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And that's what we want, right? So what does that look like? Well, I'm not just here today to tell you guys that you need to pray together because the men are sitting here like, oh, dear Lord, that is not what I want. And the women are like, yeah, he's going to pray with me. I like that. It's great. 
Look, that's, that's, not, that's not just what I'm saying. I understand it's a, awkward for a lot of you, and I, I want this to work for you. So, so prayer does not mean, or praying with each other does not mean, that you spend your personal time that you spend with God with that person. Like, you, you, I don't need you both in the same room having your private prayer time with God together, all right? Shanda and I don't even do that. In fact, we've never done that. We're not gonna do that. We'll, we'll talk to each other about what God's speaking to us in our prayer time, but we don't ever share that private time alone. That's, that's a time between uh, God and, 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 and us individually. So I don't want you to think that you need to do that, but here's what we do. We live a lifestyle of prayer where we are willing to pray for each other, we grab our hands. Even before we buy a car, do something, plan our vacation, whatever it is, we grab hands with each other and say, Lord, what would you have us do? Is this the right time on the calendar? Is this the right purchase? Is this the right way to spend our time, to spend our energy, to spend our life? Is this what we need to do? We pray together. We also pray for each other. In fact, if we know somebody's got something coming up that day that the other's not looking forward to or it's a big deal, like she'll send me text messages. Babe, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I love you. God's called you to do this and you got this. I love that. She's praying for me and she's sharing with me. We have this lifestyle of prayer. We don't keep that from each other. And so that's what I'm encouraging you to do is to develop a lifestyle of prayer where you're praying for each other, sharing that time, encouraging one another, and, and doing that, bring, bring it into your relationship because every single one of you can do that from this day forward. Just start, try. Take that prayer that you're already familiar with, that prayer that you pray at dinner with your family, the one your grandpa's been doing, right? Like, dear, Father, thank you for this food. Blessed to our bodies in Jesus' name, amen. You all know that prayer, right? But instead of just ending there, how about you go, and Lord, I just pray for our family. God, I pray that you would give us a spirit of unity Pray for our marriage that you would protect it. Give us health, Lord God, and help us to be a shining light in this world to make you famous here. And God, I pray that you would just resurrect this casserole into something that's tasty. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? Like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. He's the God of the impossible. I regularly pray for my dinner to turn into a Chipotle burrito because I believe my God, everything is possible. Now, he's never done that, but I'm, I'm going ahead and honor him with it because he's, he's a God of miracles. Amen? Oh. I'm not sure I'm on board with that, Pastor Aaron. That's okay. You don't have to be. That's where I'm at. <laughs> but I want you just to start somewhere. Give it a try. Find that comfort place and push yourself past it a little bit. Just, just keep pushing on it. Bring prayer into your life because the couple that prays together stays together. Now, here's a warning to those of you who are single. Warning to those of you who are single. Do not pray alone together. Do it someplace public, and especially don't be caught praying together on a sofa, because then you all begin commence speaking in tongues, and not even the holy kind that we're talking about, all right? So that's like, just like, just don't do that. Let angels lay prostrate. Y'all stay standing up, okay? You single people. That's where they bow down, you stay standing. Anyway, so, but, but here's the deal. Praying with somebody, grabbing hands and praying with somebody is very intimate. It's very bonding. That's why it's important that those of you who are married, that you do it. Guys, you want to uh, spice up your relationship? You want to you make your woman filled with desire for you? Grab her hand and pray for her. Just lead her in a prayer. God, I just pray for my wife right now. You want to become very attractive to her. That's what you need to do. It, it's a bonding experience. We'll talk about that more in week three, but you need to understand it's important, all right? Now, that's, that's the first thing that Har the Harvard study confirmed, pray together, all right? The second thing that it confirmed, if you want to change your odds from this day forward, is to discuss the Bible together. 
Now this doesn't mean that you have an appointed time every day to sit down and read the Bible together. That's not what that means. Shanda and I don't do that. In fact, our schedules are so very different. I like early mornings, she likes to sleep in. I prefer the quiet of the morning, she does not. I want to only talk to Jesus and my cup of coffee. Can I get a witness out there? Right. And so I, I, our, our schedules are very different. And so we don't sit down and read the Bible together. But what we do is we are reading the same plan together. So both of us are currently on the read through the Bible in a year plan that's available to you on our Simple Church app. And we're reading through it together. So we're reading the same thing. That way we can talk about it together. Like, hey, did you read that today? I did. What does that mean? Or how does that speak to you? Or what is that? What is that? Well, how do I apply that to my life? And so we, we talk to each other about what we're reading in the Bible. We do this with our kids too. Hey, what are you reading? Or what are you learning in youth? Or what did you hear on Sunday morning? Like, what is God speaking to you? We just made it part of our lifestyle of talking about the Bible and talking about what God is speaking to us. Why? Well, because Deuteronomy 6 says this. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Look, we just want you to let it happen naturally. Just talk to them at any given time. Talk with your family. Talk with your kids. Listen, that's why grow groups are so great. Because if you've never talked about how to apply the Bible to your life and how to live it out and respond to it, that's what you do in grow groups. You gather with each other and you begin to look more like Jesus better when you're with each other. That's the way it works. Like, this is great. I love this format where we all gather and you sit in seats facing me and I talk to you. And this is good, but this is not God's best. God's best is for you is when you all talk to each other about his word. And you learn to do that in a group. You learn how to discuss that. So get in a group. Start this week after service. Go out to the big blue tent. There's people that will be underneath there that would love to get you into a group and love to meet you and help you. So do that. It's time to make the Bible real in your life and how to apply it. They'll help you do it. So if you want to change your odds dramatically, pray together, discuss the Bible together, and then the third thing you need to do is attend church together. Now, most of you are probably thinking, well, pastor, we're already here. Check. Done. Well, can I challenge you to bring it to another level? Do you know that most people say that if they attend church once a month, that they're a regular attender at a church? That's, that's what most people think. But I would like to challenge you to make church something that you consider a we don't miss it kind of thing. That we don't miss Sunday mornings. Because here's what it is. Most people, when it comes to Sunday morning attendance at a church, we got a whole bunch of ifs. Well, if the weather's good, then I'll make it there. Or if the, weather's, if, if the weather is good, well, then I'm going to be out on my boat or I'm going to be out at the park or doing some kind of event. Or, or if my kids don't have sports that day. Or, or well, if, if there's not an event that I want to go to, if there's nothing else to do, then I'll go to church. And we make it like a, a last minute kind of decision. But if, I want to challenge you to make going to church on a regular basis every Sunday that the doors are open. You get here, make it a priority. You say, well, pastor, it's already pretty, pretty full in here. Yeah, it is. You know, last Sunday, we had 287 people in here between the two services. That's the highest record attendance we've ever had on a regular Sunday morning service. Yeah, that's a true story. That's why we're looking for a new place, all right? So be praying for us. But, but understand, I'm not trying to just have more people in seats in here. I'm trying to help you increase your odds of having successful relationships. 
I'm trying to help you here because I believe that a couple that prays together, discusses the Bible together, and attends church regularly will stay together. I really, truly believe that. Listen, my family, we don't miss church, and there's a reason why we don't miss church, even when I'm not preaching on that Sunday. I know that a lot of pastors, when they're not preaching on Sunday, do you know where they're at? They're at home resting. Not this guy. I'm sitting right on the front row, and I'm praising Jesus and listening to the message. Why? You say, well, this is your church, pastor. That's what, that's what you have to do. A lot of pastors don't show up on the days that they're not preaching. They take a break. Not me. I need to be in church because, listen, I've been here. I've been in a broken marriage. I have one failed one. And before 2010, that year before I started going back to church regularly and making it a priority, my marriage was headed for divorce. And I'm telling you, I read the Bible and I prayed to God, but I was missing this part of coming to church and making it a priority in my life. And in 2010, we decided we're going to be there every single Sunday. And I'm telling you, my marriage changed. My life changed. I'm not yelling at you. I know it's coming out all loud and stuff. I'm just passionate about it. I'm trying to help you. I'm excited. You got it. I really believe in, in being in church and getting into God's house because it makes a difference in you. We raise our kids this way too. We don't miss church because let me tell you something. Parents that stay at home don't raise going to church kids. That's just not, you don't do that. Stay at home parents just don't do that. And so even Jesus, Jesus had a habit of going to church. Look, in Luke 4 it says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. This, this is part of Jesus' habit was to go to church. He made it a priority in his life. It didn't just happen one day. He didn't just happen to go. He decided long before and developed a pattern and a habit and a priority. So when he went back home and traveled, he went to church. It was important to him. Well, listen, can I ask you a question? What would happen if you made getting to church on Sunday morning a priority? What could shift in your life if you understood that this is what can make all the difference in your life, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you just say, I'm gonna be here? Because I'll tell you what would happen if you made a commitment to these three things. You change your odds. You change your odds from 50-50 and have a better shot of making it to the end, to that death do us part or Lord returns, whichever one it is. In fact, let me say this way. In Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, in other words, unless God is involved in your marriage, your relationships, your family, your home life, unless God is involved, you can go to all the counseling you want, but it won't matter. In fact, the verse continues and said, it's, it's builders labor in vain. Unless God's involved, nothing that you're gonna do is gonna make a difference. You need to get God involved in your marriage in order to make it work because neither one of you is good enough to make it work on your own. In fact, I'll even tell you this, neither one of you is attractive enough to keep the other. You're just not. We need God. We need something greater than ourselves involved. We need his power because each one of us is fallen. Each one of us is sinful. We need God's power at work in us, making a difference. So what are we gonna do? Well, this is the last thought. If you're taking notes, write it down. The number one essential of healthy relationships is living a God-first life. That's what makes all the difference. That's what changes everything, is putting him first in your life. And as you consider doing that, listen, don't, 
don't, don't keep looking at the past. As you talk with your spouse about this message or pray over this, don't be a history major. Don't, don't bring up all the things that you've made mistakes over or they've made mistakes over in the past. Acquire a from this day forward kind of attitude because God is that kind of God. He doesn't care about your past. He cares about you right here and right now and what your tomorrow looks like. Start fresh, start over, and make God a priority and do it today. Let's pray. Today I realize there's so many of us, Father, that are in a desperate place, that we need a fresh start, a do-over. And Lord, as we approach you with this heart, I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to do it to have a from this day forward kind of attitude. Lord, to, to seek you, especially the men, Lord, that, that need that are the leaders of the home, Lord, I pray, God, that, that from this day forward, they would lead their families, God, to seek you first. That they would lead their families in praying together. That they would lead their families in, in reading their Bibles and discussing them with each other, Lord, and getting into a group to learn how to do it. Lord, and, and, and that they would lead their families in making church a priority, not just coming to church, but being involved in a church, getting on the dream team and serving. God, and chasing after everything that you have for them. Lord, and I pray that as they do, as they lead their families to do so, God, and they respond to this, I pray that you would you respond with all your power. Lord, and that you would begin working in their lives, work in their families, and their relationships during this series. Now, there are those of you here today that your your, your relationship with God is, is not first on your list. There's a lot of you here that God's on your list somewhere, but he's not the priority relationship. And in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to examine that and adjust that. Because here's the truth. God won't play second fiddle to anything. He wants to be first in your life. In fact, salvation that comes from God only comes to those who make God the priority relationship. And so your opportunity in just a moment is just to pray a prayer and to examine your life and make him that way. God, you've been on my list, but I need you to be first. And so at a moment, I'm gonna give you the words to pray. And if you'd like to be counted in on that prayer, I will not ask you to stand up. I will not ask you to come to the front. This is a moment between you and God alone. But I am gonna ask that if you're gonna participate in that prayer, if you need to make God first in your life, that you would just lift up your hand and do that now. Say, Aaron, that's me, I need to do that. Yeah, thanks, that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. As we pray this prayer together, church, I want you to join them and pray. Nobody prays alone, there's no reason to. But let's pray together, Jesus, I need you to be first in my life. I pray that you forgive me for my mistakes and my sins. make me brand new today. Get involved in my life. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.